Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. We follow the apostles in their story in chapter 5 today and find Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who is a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin, and he is the teacher of St. Paul. He is respected, and we continue to unfold the story of the cure of the crippled man that has caused all kinds of commotion for the apostles. They've been in prison, they've been taken out, they've been ordered not to do things, they've been sent back, they've been saved by an angel, and there's a stir all around. And no matter what the forces of the time, political, economic, and social forces are saying to the apostles, the apostles are not listening from an earthly perspective and they're not acting out of the fear of oppression or persecution. They are setting their eyes above on the things of God and with zeal and joy they are proclaiming the good news to which they were witnesses. Thanks to that, we have received that good news 2,000 years later. So it is our job to take care of that good news and proclaim the strength and the courage of that good news with the same intensity and enthusiasm. What Gamaliel does is send the apostles out of the Sanhedrin so that he can address the, the leaders on his own. And he tells them rational arguments about what is going on. But he is including at least a little bit of a divine perspective. He's not saying God dwelt amongst us and we're seeing this in the actions and let us follow him. He is the Messiah. He can't say that yet. We have to pray for that veil to be removed that our Jew Jewish brethren can see that Jesus is the Messiah. But Kamaliel at least takes one step in the direction and he says, let us observe here. If this is of human action, it will die because we've seen it before. And he names a few other prophets that had come and had hundreds of followers but when the prophets died, their movement died. And he's saying, if this is of God, we will not be able to squash it. So let's be careful. They bring the apostles back in. And it's not like they're sent away with nothing. They've, they're flogged. They're flogged. Can you imagine walking into a court of law because you've done something good and you're flogged? And what is the emotional response since we try to focus on the place of emotions in our spiritual journey. It is not an earthly response to rejoice, which is the emotion that the apostles have. They have the joy of Christ that he said, I have come to give you joy that your joy may be complete. They have that joy. And it is not of an earthly origin because we cannot feel happy when our body has been flogged and when we have been emotionally attacked and when we have been intellectually 
diminished by those that have power in the time. Boy, we have to take a deep breath and say, God, help us to live that this way. And of course, we always go to the psalm to find a way to pray. And today's psalm is Psalm 27. One thing I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord. This is clear for the apostles. They seek one thing to dwell in the house of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? This is a psalm that is very good to read when we have feelings of sadness or fear because we're being persecuted, because others are opposing us, because we cannot find connection or unity with those around us. We can say with the psalmist, The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom shall I be afraid? I am sure that this was part of the canticles that the apostles remembered. One thing I ask of the Lord, these I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all days of my life. I believe I shall see the bounty of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord with courage. Be stout-hearted. Wait for the Lord. And this comes from gazing on the loveliness of the Lord. If we are not looking from a divine perspective, we cannot put up with some of the difficulties of our lives and maybe in our case is not being flat, uh, flogged directly but I tell you what my daughters came this week several times saying what was going on in their class and they had to stand up and say several times this week hey this is not acceptable you are speaking in a way that is hurtful and not only that you are speaking not in a way that would be Christian. And we are in a Christian school. And so you might find yourself in places in your work or in your neighborhood where you're standing up for something that others are not, whether it is in the conversation of the vaccines or in the conversations of how do we return back to the office or in the conversations of a political nature that you find a conversation that is moving into a very deadly place. I had a friend that I love when I was taking care of my grandmother here in our house because she had Alzheimer's and she lives in California and I love her. But she said, Sophia, why don't you just help her die? And I know that's a controversial topic, but I said, do you think that when your mom reaches a place, perhaps that she's not fully functional you will actually kill her. And she said, well, I'm not saying that you kill her. I'm saying that you help her die. <laughs> I was telling her, that is the same thing. You're telling me to kill her. <laughs> and she was saying, well, I'm telling you to be compassionate. I'm telling you to help her. And God forbid that we ever have to get to a place in our lives where that decision is even more dire. But I do remember people bringing... Um, to the house when grandma was in really bad moments of either pain or mental suffering that, you know, they would tell me morphine is available and you can administer as needed. And those are very difficult, very difficult decisions, but it is in those decisions that we can stand up for what God is standing for, which is life. It's pretty simple. It's life or death. There's not really like a lot of gray areas. We are either standing for his word and living it, 
or we're against him. There's not two other ways. And we find this in the gospel for today, which is the beautiful, beautiful passage in John chapter 6 about multiplication. We find Jesus across the Sea of Galilee on the other shore. And he's got a crowd following him because he's been doing miracles, just like the apostles that are being persecuted. For Jesus, they're curious, they want healing, and they are really gathering all around him. And he says to Philip, Jesus says to Philip, uh, where can we find, find enough food for them to eat? And this is not just a few hundred people. We find that 5,000 people end up eating. They're following Jesus and all his signs and miracles. And what we find there is a generous boy that has five barley loaves and two fish. And he doesn't keep them for himself. He can see the superabundance of Jesus. And he knows that anything that is around Jesus is going to multiply. When we are afraid that we don't have enough, we can find an example in this disciple of Jesus, this young boy who gives everything he has and it causes Jesus' generosity to bring upon those that are around them a multiplication where 5,000 people are going to eat and they're going to have leftovers. A number of years ago, I went to a retreat where they personified this passage and they had a large group of people gathered around these actors. And then they gave food to the crowd. They gave us a piece of, of bread. And this was so wonderful. This was a part of Guardianas de la Fe, the Guardians of the Faith, a group of, um, of, of faithful followers of Christ that use these kinds of theatrical productions in their retreats to bring to life the story and it was so impactful to receive a piece of this bread and to place myself in that in that moment where Jesus said this is my body and this is my flesh and at that point so many people left him so let us go to the throne and ask to have the faith of this boy to have the generosity of heart of this boy and of the apostles father you are our abba you are the God of abundance. You have created everything and everything is created with so much abundance. Leaves, flowers, animals, stars. We look around us and we give you thanks and we bless you, Father, because you've given us a universe that is made with intelligence and beauty and that speaks of you, of your grandeur, of your majesty, of your kindness. We ask, Father, that we may have the courage of the apostles, that we may seek to live in the house of the Lord all the days of our life, that we may seek a divine perspective like the young boy that gives all that he has and sees a miracle happen, that we may have that kind of generosity, that kind of alignment, with the things from heaven, Father. We put a hedge of protection around each one of us and our families. We cover ourselves in the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, seeking your protection, Father, with thanksgiving. And we ask right now in our hearts for that which is most daring in need and importance right now, that we have a petition 
And we know that you're groaning from within us with your Holy Spirit, praying in ways that we do not even know. Help us live a day that is filled with your presence, Father. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the Inner Room Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.